In May of 1943, there was a B-24 flying over the Pacific Ocean. It's conducting rescue missions when the plane had its own problems and crashed into the ocean. That plane had a crew of 11 people on it, of which three survived, at least initially. Those three men were named Louis Amparini, Alan Phillips, and Francis McNamara. Louis and Alan would survive for 47 days, floating on a raft before being taken captive by the Japanese military. Francis McNamara would not make it that far. These details might be familiar to you if you've ever read the book Unbroken. It was written in 2010, I believe. Uh, And then a movie came out uh, about it. And you might ask, how could these men survive? Uh, They faced extreme conditions. Sunburn, starvation, sharks circling them constantly. If you've read that book, you you get some insight into some of the thoughts that uh, were going through their minds and and even being expressed uh, between uh, each other, especially uh, Louis Zamperini, which the book is uh, specifically about, um, and and Alan. They had a mindset of, really, they were eventually, somehow, some way, they were going to survive. They were going to be rescued. Uh, they would do different things. They would talk about you know, their favorite meal that their mother used to fix for them, or uh, they would have a, a challenge of, of questions. They would just send out questions to each other just constantly, just really trying to help them stay mentally uh, in, engaged. Um, and so that, that helped them. They even, I believe, sang hymns, um, and certainly uh, prayer is... Uh, discussed uh, in that in that book. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about this. But Louis Zamperini, who grew up not a person of of faith, you would say is probably quite the opposite of that. Um, <clears throat> but he in the in the book it's recorded, and, and certainly he was interviewed talking about um, you know he prayed to God. I believe it was twice during this uh, situation that that he experienced that if. If God would just get him out of this, if he could survive this, he would, he would dedicate his, his life to him. <clears throat> the, the third person, uh, Francis McNamara, that, that they are often refer to as, as Mac, he had a, a much different outlook. It was, he was facing uh, despair um, and, and hopelessness. And eventually, he, like I said, he, he would not make it uh, those those 47, 40 day, 47 days, and, and he would uh, lose lose his life. Um, <clears throat> but you, you think about this account, this this ordeal, and uh, for Louis Zamperini and and for Philip Allen, their problems were really just beginning. Being lost at sea was was really uh, just just the start of, of their their problems as they would um, be picked up by 
the Japanese Navy, and then they would uh, be basically two years uh, in POW camps where they faced almost on a daily basis, uh, at least the, the book describes it as, as this way, where uh, either beatings or torture uh, to, of some degree or some type of humiliation that he would go through uh, for, for a, a couple of years. Um, and I think if you've read that book, I think you, you get a little bit, bit of background in, into who he was and, and how he thought about things. And I think just his uh, desire to rebel, in some ways, kind of kept him alive uh, through that. But <clears throat> through his life, he, he would certainly uh, change his, his outlook on, on how he looked at things. Um, but in this, in this book, in this account of this man's life, you see the impact that hope has. Um, you know, it's often been said things to, to this nature, you know, if, if you don't have hope, you know, you're, you're living a life that uh, could be doomed for, for destruction. If we don't have hope, we can endure a lot of things uh, in life when we have a hope, a belief that uh, something can improve, that it can get better, or that it's worth going through the pain for. <clears throat> there is a uh, professor emeritus at uh, Virginia Commonwealth who uh, recently wrote an article. Actually, I, I think um, uh, Professor Worthington has um, even a, a website where they... Uh, done a lot of research um, on just uh, hope and, and optimism and things like this, but um, in this, this article, there were some inter- interesting things um, that uh, Professor Worthington mentioned. It said, uh, when there is no hope, when people not, cannot picture a desired end to their struggles, they lose the motivation to endure. <clears throat> it's the assumption that a positive... It's not the uh, assumption that it is a positive out, or that a positive outcome is in, inevitable. Instead, hope is a motivation to persevere toward a goal or an end state, even if we're skeptical that a positive outcome is likely. Psychologists tell us hope involves activity, a can-do attitude, and a belief that we have a pathway to our desired outcome. <clears throat> hope is the willpower to change, the way power to bring about that change. So for tonight, for just a, a few minutes, I want to look at some passages, some thoughts that deal uh, with hope. It is a biblical topic, um, and as we're going to talk tonight, I think it, it kind of comes in, in two, um, well, I'm going to be looking at it in, in kind of two uh, divisions or groups. One is um, with <clears throat> just Things that we deal with every day, right now in our, our current life, our current situation, uh, but even then, uh, beyond that, uh, on, a, on a spiritual level or really an eternal level, is probably the, the better way to uh, to think about it. Um, we see hope. Um, we see that word a lot in the Bible. We see it demonstrated in, in different ways. Um, think about examples in Scripture of people that showed. Uh, that had hope or that showed hope. And certainly Abraham is one person that, that comes to mind. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, where 
this, this great chapter uh, that goes through and lists uh, different people uh, noted for uh, their faith. I think we see this, this idea of, of hope, both with Abraham and with Sarah. Um, Hebrews 11 and verse 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to that place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. There's an idea of, of hope um, with, with Abraham and, and Sarah, and, and certainly just probably one example of many that, that we can go through Scripture and, and see um, that idea. You look around this room, and you think about the people that make up uh, this congregation. There are different backgrounds, there are different experiences, there's different things that many, if not all of us, have gone through. We've had trials, we've had temptations, we've had heartache. Some of us may be going through those right now. And we share this human experience where we deal with things that can bring us down. They can discourage us. They can hurt us. And depending on, on what it is, it could be something that could start to, to pull us or, or uh, put a roadblock, perhaps, in our relationship with God. There may be financial hardships or, or difficulties. It could be health problems, relationship problems. Temptations. You can think of a number of just personal demons that people may be dealing with or have dealt with in the past. Like I said, we all experience the things that life has to, to offer. There's good things in life. There are things that, um, that can be troubling and that can cause problems. And can, and can uh, hurt us. And so you might think about, or some people might kind of question, you think about God, you think about hope, you think about problems and trials in life. Can, I, can a person have hope in God to deal with the problems that, that we face right now? Does God care? Does God intervene? I would argue that there is reason to believe that yes, we can have hope, we can have a belief that God does care, that God does intervene, that God does provide. Now, does that mean that every situation, every problem, that that God just makes it go completely away, I think we'd all agree that no, that, that, is, that is not the case. God doesn't take away trials and, and tribulations, but uh, certainly 
Um, he is a God that cares uh, for his, his creation. I think that's one thing that I want to point out as we think about um, hope and, and thinking about God. Just the fact that he is a person, he is a God that cares for mankind. We see uh, in John chapter 3, and verse 16, a passage that we're all very familiar with, where, he, where Jesus himself states that God gave his only beloved son because he loved mankind. He loved mankind. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, verses 25 through 33, again, well-known passage to many of us where we see Jesus talking about uh, encouraging us to uh, put our focus on the kingdom of heaven, these things that um, are of necessity. God knows that we have those things. God realizes that. I'd like to maybe turn your attention to First Peter chapter 5. <clears throat> In this last couple of um, statements of, of the book of First Peter, Peter starts a discussion about humility. And in verse 5, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So can I believe that, that there's this God who cares about me? Well, we see Peter writing about that very, that very thing, that yes, God cares for you, and he wants you, he wants me, he wants you, he wants us to bring our cares, our thoughts, our concerns uh, to him. So God cares for us. Some other things that come to mind, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, some interesting things that uh, Paul writes there, Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14, he writes, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20, he writes, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in, him, in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Those statements in verse, those words in verse 20, um, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. This is the God of the universe, created all things. He brought us into being. There's nothing that he can't do. So I started thinking about does God care? Uh, should I have hope uh, in God that, that he um, even 
uh, cares and, and wants me to, to be able to deal with the problems and, and trials uh, in life. Um, and I think Scripture provides some statements to us. One, that He loves us. Two, that there is nothing that He cannot do. That's an amazing thought. That there is nothing that God cannot do. I think it's interesting. I was reading uh, this passage earlier, or I guess last week. Um, Michael brought a lesson to us this morning about a leper that Jesus heals. Matthew chapter 9, there's another uh, account of Jesus healing a man. This man was lame. I think it's interesting, some of the things that Jesus says here. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 9, it says, So he got in a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said with themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins? Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. It's one of many examples that we see of of Jesus Christ and and of his his power, certainly uh, of his compassion. Again, things that that Michael mentioned in his um, lesson uh, this this morning. But um, we can have hope. God can make things better. God is capable of things uh, that are even beyond um, our, our imagination and what we can comprehend. <clears throat> so he is, he is, we can certainly have confidence, we can have trust, we can have hope that can things get better, can things improve with the help of God? Yes, and, and does, he, does he want that for us? believe he does. <clears throat> a couple of other things I want to, uh, to just think about is the idea of God wanting us to stay with him, to lean on him, to wait on him, to trust in him. We see passages throughout scripture that talk about this idea, even when problems arise, especially when problems arise. very inspiring piece of scripture from Isaiah chapter 40. I'd like to follow along with me in verse 25, sorry, in verse 25. It's recorded, to him, to whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their host by number? He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The, ever, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak 
And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There is strength to be gained from waiting on the Lord, from staying with Him, even when the problems of life want to pull us away from Him. Another passage I'd like to look at comes from Psalm, the 84th chapter. It's recorded here. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, even faints. For the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts. My King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold for those who walk uprightly. O Lord Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. And again, we see thoughts like this throughout Scripture about trusting in God, waiting on God, staying with God, leaning on him in times of trouble, in times of distress. And so we can be strengthened. We can, be, we can learn things from, from going th- through things, through problems, through trials. And the hope that they can get better can exist because of who God is and what his desire for us is. There's also some thought that when we deal with problems, when we face problems, there's something to be gained by that. I'd like to turn over to Romans, the fifth chapter. Romans chapter 5, Paul writes starting in verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope 
does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. When we go through trials and, and we persevere, that character is formed. Hope is strengthened. I love that, that word in verse, verse 5 that says, Now hope does not disappoint. You go back to that idea that we were talking about with hope being really kind of an attitude and, and something that should motivate us. And there are things uh, that, that we can learn that we should almost embrace by having trials and, and problems put before us. Knowing that we have a God in heaven who loves us, that we can be strengthened, that we can deal with whatever is brought before us. But I think when we see that idea of, of kind of these things that, that seem to kind of build upon themselves in, in the way this is written, um, there's, there's something that we should take away. We should hopefully, when we go through uh, problems, trials, we can be strengthened, we can be a better version of ourselves. But I also encourage us to not just let that be something that just happens to us, but use that for good. How can I take what I experienced and what I went through and maybe provide hope to someone else, to strengthen them, to be able to relate to them, um, to be able to help encourage them the very thing that they may be dealing with could be tugging at them, maybe, maybe causing them even to, to question God or to doubt God, possibly. Sometimes we need somebody there that we can trust, that can have those words of encouragement and say, you know what, I have been through that type of thing before, or I know somebody that has. Why don't we go talk to them? Why don't we pray for each other? We can be strengthened with each other, we can be inspired, we can learn uh, from others because of, of what they've gone through. And so, don't let trials that you go through just be something that we just deal with. But let's learn from those things. What can, what can we take away from it? What can make us better? What can we do to maybe help someone else uh, be better? Um, I also like what's recorded um, in 1 Peter, again in chapter 5. We've already looked at a, a few verses there, but in verse 10 it says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a, a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. When we go through trials, find ways that we can, things that we can learn and that we can share and help others. So we've talked about a couple of things here when it comes to hope. We have a reason to hope. <clears throat> There's a God in heaven who loves us, who is capable of doing things that are beyond our imagination. There's nothing that he cannot do. We have, he has this desire for us to be with him, to lean on him, to trust in him. When we go through these trials, there should be things that make us better, and that we can share with others. That's all things here dealing with <clears throat> our life 
together on earth in this current day. I want to turn our attention now to certainly, really all of this is, is spiritual, but as I said, maybe more eternal is, is the word to, uh, to think about. And I don't think anyone here in this room, I think we would all agree that sin separates us from God. But I love what Peter writes about a hope, a hope that we have. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus, from, of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. A living hope. Our sin has separated us from God. But Peter here mentions Jesus Christ. We have a living hope because Jesus Christ was not just some man who came and lived a good life and provided good recommendations and ultimately died like the rest of us do. Now, Jesus Christ was someone who was resurrected from the dead, who defeated Satan. There's nothing that God cannot do, including raising his own son from the grave. And because of that, we don't have a hope of heaven that's maybe just today or was yesterday or maybe tomorrow. We have a living hope. It is there, it is always, and it is ours. Of course, there's requirements for that, becoming obedient to the gospel call. But Jesus Christ made that possible. Think about all the things, really through Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, they all point to Jesus Christ. and He is the reason that we have what Peter calls this living hope. So if you're in the audience tonight and you've never put on Christ or or perhaps there's things in your life that have recently separated you from from God uh, or or have um, tarnished that relationship, you have an opportunity tonight to to change that, to make that right. I I know there's at least a few people uh, in the audience uh, that um, either knew Gary Sandusky or, or had met him. If you're not familiar with him, he was a, a preacher for a, a number of years in southern Indiana who uh, just passed away in his funeral was uh, yesterday. Uh, I didn't know Gary well. I did uh, know uh, some of his sons and, and daughter-in-law um, and had the opportunity to hear him a couple of times. There was one thing that I can, that uh, I still vividly remember that uh, he was 
where I got to hear him speak. And he was, he was talking about the idea of heaven. And he said, God is just trying to give you heaven. He doesn't want to make your life miserable. He's not trying to uh, put all these restrictions on your life. He is just trying to give you heaven. Isn't that true? He's trying to give us heaven, a hope, a living hope. You're subject to the invitation. Please come forward as we stand and as we sing.